0: It is far, it is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home
1: plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Nosebleeds podcast. My name is Sam Davis. We are pleased and super excited to be with you, although it didn't sound like it was for that half second there. I am so pumped to be here today. Colin Loughran and Brian Raybacks will join me as well. I'm kind of, you know, doing a two kind of two different things here. I'm producing a little bit of this podcast as well as being a host here. Excited to be with you guys. We have a ton to get into today. We're going to take a look at the game sixes from both the National League and the American League before jumping into our World Series preview. But before we get into all that, Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I mean, re- shout out to you. You're doing a lot over there. You got <laughs> a lot on your hands. I got a lot going on. I'm behind the screen here, so I can't <laughs> even really see you guys. But I'll, I'll, I'll make believe that you guys are over there. Yeah, some, but somewhere.
0: I'm I'm doing tremendous. I mean, we've had a lot of great baseball over the last week. You know, the Game Sixes were great. We got a lot to dive into there. But I'm just super excited for the World Series to start. You know, as huge of a baseball fan I am, I always look forward to this time of year, and now it's right around the corner. I couldn't be more excited.
1: And Colin, I sympathize with you a little bit as the fellow Red Sox fan here, and I know you know both of us are kind of going through it here. But we're gonna we're gonna battle it out. We're gonna talk about this World Series, even though we 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 both wish the Red Sox were playing in it.
2: Yeah, Sam, I'm still in that state of denial. In my mind, <laughs> we're still going to the World Series, but. All kidding aside, this should be a great series in terms of the talent on the field. I know there's a lot of people that are upset with the specific markets that made it in Houston and Atlanta. Maybe not the most flashy matchup we've ever seen, but if you look at purely the guys that will be taking the field, guys like Tuve, Correa, Max Fried, these are guys that have legitimate talent, and people should be excited about what's going to go down.
1: So let's, uh, let's start here with, with Dodgers-Braves. We're going to look back at Game 6. Of course, that was a tremendous game. A tremendous series as a whole, as we saw, of course, the Braves. They were up 3-1, and then you were, all of a sudden you were thinking, okay, this is just like last year. The Dodgers win Game 5. Turns into game, a, a 3-2 series going back to Atlanta. You're thinking, oh boy, here, just a repeat of last year almost. But Atlanta finds a way. Ian Anderson was tremendous in Game 6. They beat the Dodgers. They beat the, the talented and, and far superior Dodgers. Nobody thought the Braves had any chance going into this season even. I find it crazy. At the deadline, the Braves were very close to being sellers. They had a fateful series with the New York Mets where they decided to be buyers. They went out and got Eddie Rosario, they got Adam Duvall, they got Jorge Soler, and they got Jock Peterson. All important pieces of that outfield that works with the infield as well. Colin, I'll start with you here. What did you see from the Braves in this series, and even what did you see from the Dodgers as well? And I thought it was an exciting series that the Braves came out on top.
2: Yeah, and for the Braves, man are they glad they got Eddie Rosario. Oh, yeah. 4-2 win, 3-run home run by Rosario. He's hitting four seventy four this postseason with 3 home runs and 11 RBIs. Even when they got him around the deadline, I'm not sure anyone thought he was going to do this come October. And if you're the Dodgers, I mean, no one's crying any tears for them. They have one of the biggest payrolls in baseball. They'll go out and get guys that show up night in, night out. Some guys that didn't, like Bauer, turned out to be not such a great move on, on that front, but I think they literally missed who wasn't there more than who was there in this case. For sure. Like, you know, Cody Ballinger in 2019 was a great player. This year, not so much. Hit 165 only, which means you're going to miss guys like Max Muncy in your lineup. You're going to miss Justin Turner when he's not there. You know, at the same time, this Dodgers team was still talented, Absolutely. but when I look back at Game 6 and I look back at this series, it comes down to the Braves just having better moments. Austin Riley, very underrated player, in my estimation, came up big early in that series. He hit three oh three this year with 33 home runs, 107 RBIs.
1: Had a great year. Yes, An amazing terrific.
2: year. He's not a guy particularly that before this year anyone's thinking about. He's so young that no one really think of him or check his name off when looking at who to be careful around come October.
0: I would say no one even thinks about him now. Right. He doesn't he so talked about it enough.
2: It's very surprising, I think, to most people that the Braves were able to come out on top. But when you look at how they had to expound on their bullpen and really go to them each and every game to the level that they did, it's not shocking. Because I look right. at Game 6, Walker Bueller was not exactly what I thought he was going to be in that game. He should have been much better. This is a guy that I praise all the time is going to be a Cy Young winner one day. Mm-hmm. He shows up in this game, pitches four innings, gives up seven hits, four inning runs, walks three guys. That's not what you're expecting out of your ace, and that was the role that he kind of had to step up to, given the fact that Scherzer was out. Given the fact that you lost Bauer, given the fact that Kershaw is out, you were expecting Bueller to come up big in this game, and and he didn't. The Braves were the better team situationally, and they had better pitching.
1: Brian, before you jump in, Con, I'm glad you mentioned the pitching there because I think that's a combination of a couple different factors. First of all, you have, of course, the lack of depth. You You have Kershaw being out. You have Trevor Bauer being out for other reasons, obviously heading into October. And then you have Scherzer obviously missing that start, a huge start. That would have helped them a lot for sure and you're forced to start Walker Buehler on short rest. So that's definitely part of it, kind of a thin pitching staff. But everyone's dealing with injuries. I mean, you can't sit here and cry for the Dodgers because you have, of course, looking at the Braves, you lose your best player in Ronald Acuna. You lose arguably your best starting pitcher in Mike Soroka as well. So you lose a lot of big pieces for them as well. They still found a way to get here. Everyone's battled through injuries. The other side of this for me that hurt the Dodgers in their downfall is Dave Roberts use of guys like Julio Urías out of the bullpen coming into games really hurting his chances for him pitching later on in the series going on short rest. It's already a high stress bullpen, it's already a high stress starting pitching staff with the lack of depth. But when you make those decisions where you bring in Urías out of the bullpen and then I think you pitch him later on and start him later in the series, that kind of po- those questionable moves my Dave Roberts points to me how okay, yes, it was Sure, it was the lack of pitching pitching depth that the Dodgers had, but it's a combination between that and some moves that lead, at least me, to shaking my head and, and scratching my head here uh, looking at this series from the Dodgers' side of things. Sorry to cut you off there, Brian. Go ahead all, and jump in. All good. Do not worry. But, yeah, <laughs> Dave Roberts had
0: a handful of head scratchers in this series and this whole postseason as a whole. Now, I mean, I thought the Max Scherzer move in Game 5 of the Giants series, I, I, I was in agreement with that. I mean that's your best guy and you don't know if there's a tomorrow so you got to put him out there. I like that but using Urias in the 8th inning of game 2 to me just made no sense. It it was just so odd to me because yep. why, what you have dependable guys in the back end of your bullpen. Why you're now using one of your starting pitchers when you already have a short-handed pitching staff and now you're going to one of your starting pitchers who is going to have to pitch a couple of days later, and you're using him in these high-leverage situations when he doesn't really need to be in. The, it It just doesn't make sense. Like, I know you're trying to get wins, and I know every game is so important, but at the same time, Urias being used in Game 2 when easily you could have gone to a Kenley Jansen. Mm-hmm. It just, It's just very unusual, and I feel like it's Dave Roberts trying to get a little too fancy, too cute with it. A little too creative, and ultimately, the Dodgers are done playing baseball for the season. So. I mean,
1: it's crazy to even hear you say that the Dodgers are, no, are done playing baseball because even despite all of you know all the injuries, all of the doubts that they had, even being down three one, you still think the Dodgers are the team to beat. You still think there's no way the Dodgers don't come out on top in this series just because we saw Atlanta collapse before. We know how talented the Dodgers are. They're the be- they're the most talented team remaining in the championship series, or they were. But the Braves, I mean, you got to give them a ton of credit. You got to give them a ton of run here. First of all, we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about those deadline decisions. 25 of their 40 hits in the postseason have come from those guys I named earlier. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that shows, you know, what a successful GM can do to turn around a team, get them hot at the right time. Eddie Rosario, talk about hot at the right time, unbelievable what he's done. Fourteen hits in the in the NLCS alone, absolutely incredible what he's done. But their whole infield as well. I think the infield was always there. You had Swanson, you had Austin Riley, you know who Brian you said nobody really talked about, but he had an incredible year, a sneaky good year. So him, Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Alves, and, and Freddie Freeman. That's it's an impeccable infield, incredible infield. What you needed was a little bit of more outfield depth, depth, especially with Acuna gone. You went out and got those guys like Eddie Rosario to have those, and Jock Peterson as well, to have those big postseason moments. All of a sudden, this lineup looks pretty complete. And they showed themselves. I know there weren't a lot of high scoring games in that Dodgers series, but they showed themselves as really, I think, a lot better than people give them credit. And the same can be said about the pitching staff as well. Ian Anderson has been tremendous in the postseason. Max Freed has been good. These guys are pitching, they're young pitchers, and they're pitching like they're veterans. And then on the other side of things as well, you have Charlie Morton, that veteran presence to start Game One uh, of just about every series. That adds a lot to it as well. I, I think this this team as a whole deserves more credit. They deserve more respect for beating the Do- not just beating the Dodgers, but even being here in the first place. As not really, I mean, yes, they are an underdog. They had a bad season, but this team and the talent is certainly there. And, and that, that's something I wanted to stress here. And Colin. I'll go to you here, and what are your thoughts more specifically on the Braves here and what you saw from them?
2: Well, to your point, their offense was very good situationally. When I see low-scoring games in October, it tells me that these are games that come down to one or two moments. And for the Braves, they stepped up in most of those moments. You mentioned Freddie Freeman, 303 average this year, 33 home runs, 107 RBIs. This guy's a reigning NL MVP. These guys were able to come up in the situations where the Dodgers simply couldn't. It's low-scoring games. I look at the stat sheet. Most of these games, with the exception of Game 4, were winnable for the Dodgers. But instead, the Braves had guys that came up when it mattered most, and that makes all the difference. Something I thought about recently was maybe the Dodgers are missing the element that the Braves have, and that they have guys that are all or nothing, guys that can hit it out of the park, guys that can get on base one way or another, but they're not necessarily coming up in these situations where you're just moving the runner over mm-hmm. or, you know, dare I say, dropping a bunt. Not that the Braves were any sort of masters of doing this, but it's a forgotten concept of you know sacrificing maybe your stats for the sake of getting a run later in the game or in the next at-bat. I think this Braves team is unselfish in that way, and I could easily see them dropping a bunt in the World Series. Push comes to shove in game six or seven. It's close. I I would venture to say Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, they'd be willing to do that. Oh, sure. And that might be the difference in this case. And to the pitching, again... I'm I'm stunned. Obviously, you knew they had talent. You knew Ian Anderson. You knew Max Fried, They were good. I really like the decision to go with Charlie Morton in game one. I don't know about you guys. I agree. I think there's something to be said about a veteran presence stepping up in a big series. And after Freed went four and two-thirds with five earned runs and eight hits last time out against L.A., I do think it's smart to send out the vet, kind of hit the reset button, have everyone stay calm. Yep. I think that's a brilliant move. Hopefully it pans out for them.
0: Well, not only is Charlie Morton a veteran presence and, you know, a guy who's been there before, but he's also a great pitcher. Right. He's also very solid. Um, The thing with the Braves, if you asked me before the season, would the Braves be a World Series contender? I would have said absolutely. You know, they're coming off of another division title in 2020. They go to the NLCS one win away from the World Series. And obviously last year they kind of choked away. But as the season progressed, you kind of got less confident in their ability. Just you know, they struggled to get above five hundred for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of just sitting there wondering, okay, well, we know the Spray of Steam is talented. When are they gonna get going? When when is the ball gonna start rolling for them? And then you almost kind of removed all possibility of them getting the ball rolling when Acuna went down for the season. Mm-hmm. That was seen as a devastating blow, but they were able to rebound from it. They were able to get Jock Peterson he renamed the month October, And then, you know, you get Rosario, Adam Duvall, you get him back. They just now, and now that lineup is complete. And it really showed up when it mattered in these games. And also, yes, the starting pitching, you know, a couple of times didn't really come through, but, you know, Charlie Morton is great. And Ian Anderson really stepped up. And the bullpen, too. Yeah. Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter. For the most part, when this bullpen needed to get big outs, they did,
1: and Matt, that was Matt six outs in that in that game six were huge, yes. absolutely huge. Second and third, nobody out was able to come in get three strikeouts. That was huge. Won the series right there. Yeah. So everyone can say, oh, the Braves only won 88
0: games. You know, why are they in the playoffs over Toronto or the Mariners who won 90 games? But I mean, this is what it's all about. This is what this is what playoff baseball is. Yep. Really, any team can get hot, and any team and get going. And the Braves were a second-half team, and they really just continued that momentum. I personally didn't give them much of a chance to even get out of the Division Series. So the fact that they're in the World Series is just so impressive, and I got to tip my cap to them for a job well done.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't have any, any faith at all in the Braves. I mean, at first I thought, you know, the conversation was, and we talk a lot about the NL East with the Mets in it here on the Nosebleeds podcast, and at FUV in general, and we've talked about how, you know, we thought, okay, the Braves eventually are going to get hot. The Braves eventually are, are going to, you know, kick it into that third gear, find a way. And then, you know, Acuna gets hurt, and you're thinking, okay, maybe they won't. You know, maybe this year just isn't for them. And for a while, I just thought that was the truth. I didn't even really think there was any chance. First of all, you know, you saw them start to, you know, go ahead in the division, and you think, okay, they'll probably win the division, but they won't go anywhere from that. And, and like you said, Brian, and then they find a way. They, they beat the Brewers. They beat a really good pitching staff in them. They produce just enough runs. And then they beat the vastly you know, more talented Dodgers, and they, they find a way. So we'll get into the World Series. We'll look ahead to you know their matchup with the Houston Astros. But first we want to talk about, you know, I don't want to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. Game six between the Red Sox and the Astros in the American League Championship Series, which obviously ended 5 nothing, not in favor Of the Boston Red Sox a series where you know Colin, I'd like to get your point uh, your take on this as well and Brian as well being a a Yankee fan who dislikes both sides of the coin (laughs) so it doesn't matter who won you wouldn't have liked it but for Colin, I'll start with you here just what were your thoughts you know we'll get into the Astros we'll talk about them but from the Boston Red Sox side of things what were your takeaways from this series
2: from the Red Sox side of things this series was over in game five Mm. once you're in Fenway Park and Framber Valdez gives eight innings, one earned run only given up and five strikeouts against the Red Sox. It's over. It's over. Once you lose that game nine to one, going to Houston and then expecting to win a game six to force a game seven becomes an onerous task. It really became an impossible task for them, considering <coughs> Sale gave you good work in game five, which was not something anyone was particularly counting on. He gave you five and a third, yep. only gave up two earned runs, seven strikeouts, decent enough to where you should have been able to win Game 5 at Fenway.
1: It was great for him. Great for Chris Sale, considering where he came from.
2: Right, and if you win Game 5 at Fenway, Game 6 is a little bit different of a situation once you get there. Mm -hmm. Because then you get to Game 6, Garcia shuts you out, so you don't really fare much better against him. Garcia goes 5-2, and thirds, doesn't give up a run, strikes out 7. Not to mention, the Red Sox couldn't score. Yeah. That's what this boils down to, the fact that you went from a team that was hot, red hot, against Tampa, red hot early in the series against Houston. TK Hernandez was looking like Babe Ruth for the better part of October. And then you get to game six after a demoralizing loss at home in game five. I've never seen Fenway Park get that quiet, and I never want to see it get that quiet again, if I'm being honest. I wouldn't mind it. uh, (laughs) When you get to game six, Evaldi, again, wasn't bad. I can't really blame the pitching here. No, you can't. Evaldi gives you four and a third, only gives up one run. Yep. So when this boils down to is you couldn't hit. You can't blame the pitching, which really was not the case against Tampa and early against Houston. You thought originally that if this team was going to lose, the pitching was going to spiral because it was fully possible that Sale was going to have a terrible outing. Yep. It was fully possible that Erod was going to get shelled one or two times this postseason. It's just demoralizing that your strength ended up being the reason you lost.
0: Yeah, you can point it to a lot of things. Oh, the bullpen's thin. You know, some some starts weren't great. Uh, why did Alex Cora take out Ivaldi so soon? Alex Cora, why did he manage this But You can you can say all that. It it just comes down to the offense, and there's yep. no there's really no other reason. It's the big glaring issue in these last three games. I mean, you score two runs in the first inning of Game Four, and then the last twenty five innings of of this series, the Red Sox scored one run. Mm-hmm. They so they got outscored in the last 25 innings of this of this series. That's it right there. That's 22 it. to 1. Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to win a series by doing that? You can't. And in in game 6, again, you can't win a crucial game by scoring literally no <laughs> runs. It's impossible.
1: Literally impossible in baseball to score get shut out and win a game. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. I've never seen a lineup go from that hot to that cold. In such a short amount of time, it was like a flip, like a like a, a switch just flipped, and all of a sudden you went from the best lineup in baseball, the, the hottest lineup I've ever seen in the playoffs ever, to quite literally a terrible lineup that that was putting up you know one run, no runs, whatever it may be in back to back nights um, against good you know Astros pitching, and you know we'll, we'll talk about the Astros here, but before I finish my Red Sox opinion here, I mean the Astros did pitch pretty well and Framber Valdez is a solid pitcher, Luis Garcia is a solid pitcher. Not having McCullers, considering they didn't have him, I was impressed overall with the pitching staff, not early but later on in the series. So you, I guess you give them a little credit for getting these hitters out, getting these, you know, hot hitters out. But I mean, that's what it comes down to the Red Sox. I think it shows this this loss and this, you know, obviously they were overachievers all season long. They weren't supposed to be in contention for the division. They weren't supposed to you know, beat the Yankees in the wildcard game. They weren't supposed to beat the Rays in the divisional series. And they weren't supposed to beat Houston here in the championship series. So they overachieved throughout the year. And what this series showed me is some of the inconsistencies that had been around all season long. You saw the lineup be really hot for most of the year, but get cold near, I think, August and, and into September. You had a, it had a stretch where that lineup was ice cold inconsistencies showed themselves all season for the Boston Red Sox. That continued into October as well, it seemed like here, because you saw how good they could be. But then you also saw how bad they could be at times, obviously losing to Houston in that fashion. Houston's a great team. So overall, you know, I'm upset, obviously, and I'm sure, Colin, you're upset as well. But you look back on the season as a whole, and you have to be incredibly optimistic for the Red Sox going forward. This was not the year for them. You know, it shows how, you know, how strong a presence Alex Cora can be for that, for that squad, for that team. And I think that's why you can be at least optimistic from the Boston Red Sox side of things going forward and rebuilding. But for Houston, you know, I'll switch over to Houston here. And, Brian, I'll go to you first. Kind of, what did you see from Houston? I know I mentioned the pitching being a little banged up, but they got through it. And that lineup is always dangerous no matter what.
0: Lineup's unstoppable. Yeah, I was just looking through the Game 6 lineup prior to, you know, first pitch, and I kind of just realized, you know, Yuli Gurriel led the American League in batting average. He's batting six. And he hit 7th. 7th. Seven. He yeah, hit 7th in Game 6, yeah. which is just unbelievable. So it really yep. shows the depth and just the talent, the overall talent in this lineup. But, I mean, if we're going to single out one guy in this lineup, uh Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, you got to talk what, about him. what a, what a last couple of games of this series he had and especially game 6. 4 for 4, he had two doubles and a triple, a home run away from the cycle. I mean, just an incredible performance and he hit 5-21 in this ALCS. Mm. And they kept showing up the bra- the graphic uh in game 6 that he was pretty much in the last couple of games outproducing the entire Red Sox team. Yep. So He's incredible, and then obviously you have other guys, you know, such as Gurriel, as I mentioned, <clears throat> Altuve, Bregman, Correa, Michael Brantley. Kyle Tucker stepped up in this series too. So again, the offense is just unbelievable and just incredibly talented, and then you also got good outings from some of your starters, and particularly Luis Garcia in this Game 6, and Bremer Valdez, as we mentioned, in Game 5. So the talent is there, and obviously... Houston was one of the favorites coming in, and they showed why. They showed how talented they are, and they showed that, yeah, they're in the. this is why they're in the World Series once again, and this is why they're always contenders every year.
1: Yeah, they're certainly uh, just impressive, that lineup. And I think that lineup, you know, I talked about the inconsistencies with the Boston Red Sox lineup. It showed, I think, in this series, for the, from the Astros side of things, how good their lineup is. Consistently no putting up runs. Yeah, exactly. Even in games where the Red Sox, you know, I think back to the Red Sox 2 Grand Slam game, uh, and the Astros, you know, early in the series, the Astros still find a way to put up runs. I know it albeit late in the game off of, you know, kind of a bomb Red Sox reliever, to, to put it bluntly. <laughs> but still, I mean, they find a way to put up five runs in that game and all of a sudden make the score look a little closer than it was. And I know that doesn't matter in the scheme of the series, but I think it just shows the consistency of the lineup to go out and hit no matter what, uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez just was absolutely incredible. I, I was yelling at the TV numerous times for them even pitching to him, ever. I, I think they, they could have just walked him every single time. There were certainly chances where they could have walked. I think they had a second and third. He was up, and they decided to pitch to him. That one you know, didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was very angry that, about that. Playing manager from my couch here, like I do best. But anyway, I, I think... He, he he was incredible. His ability to go the other way and hit the hit the fastball in the outside corner in, into the opposite field. I mean that's incredibly impressive. Something that's very hard for hitters, N- certainly not easy, especially a hitter of his size and his stature. So that was impressive. Their whole lineup is incredibly deep, like you said. Gurriel you know, had an unbelievable season, uh, batting average wise, and he's hitting down in the order of six or seven. And even those, you know, even those eight nine hitters can get on base and set things up. You know, for for the Bregmans, the Correas, and the Altuves. So. Their lineup's deep. Their lineup's impressive. And that brings us, of course, to an exciting, a very exciting fall classic here between the Braves and the Astros. Game one will take place Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday. So tomorrow will be game one of the World Series. So give me a preview, guys. What am I going to be looking out for as I sit on my couch on Tuesday night and watch the World Series. Colin, I'll go to you first. What am I going to be watching here? And what what are you going to be taking away or looking for heading into the World Series?
2: I'll be watching the pitching on both sides because I'm not sold on Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia being able to do again what they did against Boston. No Lance McCullers once again. And that's a a big loss loss for Houston. I look at the rotations. I like Atlanta's better by a long shot. But then like we were talking about, the lineup for Houston is just so scary. Highest on-base percentage in baseball this year. Best batting average in baseball this year. Jordan Alvarez in the ALCS hit five twenty-two with five extra base hits. Crazy. That lineup is scary up and down. For me, this boils down to Atlanta's ability in the bullpen to keep Houston at bay throughout the game. Because you could get five good innings from Max Fried or five good innings from Ian Anderson. It's not going to mean anything unless your bullpen is able to bridge the gap and get you to the end of the game because I believe in Atlanta's ability to score. I think they're the type of team that will be able to scratch one or two runs, three runs. Interesting that
1: you say that though because they didn't score I, know, I you know you take what you want from the the NLCS and the Dodgers obviously, you know, we talked about how banged up their pitching is, they still have really good arms out of the, you know out of that pitching staff. They didn't score a lot of runs in, in in the NLCS and then you're looking at Houston and all they did was score runs and I know it's a different league so it's a different kind of Scenario there, you have the pitcher hitting as well in the National League, but that's something I'm surprised to hear you say you're not worried about the Braves lineup. I'm not worried about them either, but they need to produce more to be able to keep up with this Houston Astros lineup. I, I think the Houston Astros lineup is unstoppable, no matter who you throw out there. I really think it's it's gonna it's hard for anyone to shut them down. It's more about limiting them, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, here here's the thing with Atlanta. I and you know you can say Atlanta didn't score as many runs as the Astros. I mean. You got to look at, I guess, the differences in opponent because, oh, I yeah, mean, for sure. <laughs> the re- the Astros scored nine runs in game four off of a seventh run, uh, excuse me, a seven run ninth inning when mm-hmm. that bullpen just completely imploded. It's a good point. But yeah, and then you have the Braves facing the Dodgers who have a deep, deep pitching staff, even if Walker Bueller's pitching on short rest and if Urias is pitching on short rest. But I think the big thing for me is if you're the Braves, you got to find a way to slow down this Houston lineup. Because even against the best pitching staffs in the league, this lineup is going to produce. I mean, we saw that in the division series against the White Sox. You know, they had no problem against guys like Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito. So it really comes down to, can Charlie Morton, can Max Freed, can Ian Anderson, can they slow these guys down? Because if if the Astros' offense gets rolling, they're going to be very tough to stop. So... Not only the rotation, but the Braves' bullpen as a whole needs to stay strong and continue to pitch well for them to have a good chance in this series.
2: Yeah, that bullpen is huge. I see it as the duty of the bullpen to win these games Mm -hmm. because I think you're going to get X amount of innings from your starters that are quality starts. I don't think that's going to be much of a problem because I think the talent is definitely there.
1: And their bullpen had trouble in, the, in that Dodgers series. If I remember correctly, going back to the, the first two games, they had the, some Braves, trouble. the Braves ended up winning both those games. But I believe they had leads that were blown and then all of a sudden had to come back. And then obviously, you know, you have the Cody Bellinger home run as well a little later in the series. So the bullpen had, tr- had trouble at times. They stepped up big in game six, but they did have trouble at times. So that's definitely a concern.
2: Yeah, yeah, if the Braves are going to win, it's going to be these close three to two, four to three games. I mm-hmm. don't see it being a situation where the Braves outbat the Astros. No. If anything, I think the games that the Astros win in the series will be those nine to two, eight to two route yeah. type of games where the Braves just cut their losses and save their bullpen for the next day out. I think that's the type of series this is going to be. All right, and if you're playing, the thing with the National League is in the playoffs.
0: A lot of times, we saw managers, you know you have to pinch hit for your—they feel they have to pinch hit for their starting pitchers because it's such a close game that you really just need to, you know, put some runs across, and you're not going to do that with the Ian Anderson hitting. So now—I mean, at least for the first two games, they're in Houston. So no pitcher hitting. You have the designated hitter. So I think—I think just going off of that, it's going to be a big difference maker for how, how, this, how these managers operate, how Brian Snicker, you know, manages his lineup and his— Pitching staff because I think you know if you can get now six innings out of Charlie Morton if you can get seven innings out of Ian Anderson because this this Atlanta bullpen while I mean they had their shortcomings at times they had their rough moments but they were asked to do a lot in this series like not a lot of Atlanta starters were able to go deep into games so I think if the starters can go deep into games and really you know give them six seven solid in, solid innings and really shut down. The Houston offense, and then give it to the bullpen. I think they
1: can hand, hold their own in the series. I think this is interesting because it is once again a Braves team. It's a hot team, like the Atlanta Braves, facing a more talented team in the Houston Astros. We saw that with the Braves against the Dodgers. We even saw that with the Red Sox against the Astros. You know, I think there's, you know, maybe that that can be a little bit of more of an argument there between those two sides. But at least for the Braves facing the Dodgers, even the Braves facing the Brewers earlier in the in the postseason, we saw one team coming into things very hot, hot at the right time, and you see another team more talented. So for me, that makes you know picking this game, which we'll do in a minute here, I'm just previewing it a little bit, extremely difficult, because that's the thing with baseball, is you can get hot at the right time, and it doesn't matter if you don't have that talent that other teams have, if you don't have that... You know, that one guy that everyone fears in the lineup. You know, like the Jordan Alvarez right now, or the Gurriel, the Correa, Altuve, whatever it may be. You might not have that one guy, but, I mean, when you're hot at the right time, Eddie Rosario turns into that one guy. He turns into that guy that just has an unbelievable postseason. Austin Riley, another example of that. So the Braves lineup, I think, is better than we're giving credit because we're comparing it to the Houston Astros lineup, which, I mean, they're playing each other. So it's fair to make that comparison. But I think that the the Braves lineup, they aren't going to out-hit Houston. Definitely not. They aren't going to out-slug Houston. If it's a high-scoring game, that certainly plays in favor of the Astros. But they can hold their own. I think they'll be able to produce. They'll be able to put up runs. So, Colin, I was, you know, just... Maybe just disagreeing with you just for the sake of disagreement on, uh, of course, them not putting up as many runs uh, against the Dodgers. That I think that, that very well might change, although I think it'll be a little bit of a more low-scoring matchup here in the World Series just because that Braves pitching staff I, I think is really solid. I love, you know, we talked about it. I love having Charlie Morton go Game 1. I love having that veteran presence. These guys, Max Fried, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson, have postseason experience. And I know Ian Anderson's very young. Max Reed's pretty young as well, but they've had numerous chances to pitch in the playoffs. They've had tons of opportunities to pitch in October, which I think goes a long way while you have guys like Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia who don't quite have that experience. Lance McCullers, the guy that does have that veteran presence, that experience in the playoffs with these Houston Astros teams in the past, isn't pitching. He's not going to pitch, and that's a huge loss for them. So the pitching, I definitely give the, the considerate advantage to the Atlanta Braves, the lineup I, I tend to, you know, side a little bit more towards Houston, but I think this Braves lineup can play. I really think they're, you know, kind of continuing to show the media, continuing to show everyone that they they're more for real than people think they are. You know, a lot of people have discounted them, kind of that underdog mentality. And that'll continue into here, but that's what makes this matchup so intriguing. That's what makes it so interesting for me, is you have a very hot team coming into play versus uh, a much more talented team. It was, that's what made the Dodgers' Braves series so exciting. You were, you were curious to see. And we also have the narrative of, of Atlanta sports kind of falling apart, Atlanta sports collapsing. So if the Braves get out to a lead, you might see that narrative come back once again. But all, with all that being said, you know, I danced around it, but we're going to you know face it head on here. We're going to make the tough decision. We're going to make our picks here for the World Series. So, Brian, I'll go to you first here, and then Colin, and then I'll finish it off. I want to have the winner of this series, and in how many games, and maybe, you know, you don't have to, maybe you could throw in an MVP, throw in somebody you think, you know, will have a big series. They might not win MVP, but somebody you could see breaking out. So, Brian, I'll go to you first here. So, I think a lot of viewers of this podcast kind of know how we all feel
0: about the Houston Astros. I mean, obviously, you have the whole scandal and, you know, winning a championship out of that, so they're not they're not well liked around the world Certainly even not. so obviously i'm thrilled atlanta is in the world series and they have the story they they almost kind of feel like the washington nationals 2 years ago that came in and beat houston hmm. they have that feeling going for it but i i just look at this talent on the astros roster and the astros lineup and I'm sorry, I, I just have to pick Houston. Obviously, that's not the outcome I'm going for. <laughs> not but the one you're hoping for. I'm going to sure. say Astros in six, you know. I actually think the Braves have a really good shot to win game one with Morton on the mound and then possibly get one of the three games in Atlanta. But overall, I'm going to take Astros in six, and then why not? I guess I'll just ride ride the hot hand of Jordan Alvarez, World Series
1: MVP. Back-to-back, back. I yep. like it. All right, Let's Colin, it. what do you got?
2: I'm going to take the Braves in six. Interesting. I, I like that. think that if the Braves are going to win this series, it's going to be low-scoring games that win it for them. It's going to be grinded out at bats. And for that reason, my MVP is going to be Freddie Freeman. Okay. I think he's the type of guy that can step up big. He he's did. been a little cold, though. He's been a
1: little cold right, lately. I he think, had a couple big homers, though. I, he did, I yeah. I
2: think he'll return to his NLDS form okay. that we saw against Milwaukee in, in the World Series. I have a good feeling about this team, and I believe in karma. <laughs> and it's not in the Astros' favor right now.
1: <laughs> Karma is never in the Houston Astros' favor. It, it never is. You have, you know, that's why for me, although I don't know what's going to happen, obviously none of us do. I, I don't even, you know, I, I can say confidently, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not confident in my pick, but I'm going to take the Braves as well. And Colin, I'm not just copying you, but I'm going to take the Braves in six because that's what I thought about going into this podcast. Don't worry, I'm not stealing your pick here. But for me. Part of this shirt is fueled off of my emotion. Obviously, I want to see the Braves win the World Series. I, I don't want to see Houston win again. Especially, I don't think anyone wants to see Houston win again. So it's tough to pick them. But also for me, I, I think this Braves team deserves a lot of credit. When you beat the, the, the LA Dodgers, I don't care when the LA Dodgers are, are hurt or are, are not, as, not as good as they would have been in past years, maybe in 2020. Not as good. Uh, that lineup's not fully complete. The pitching staff's not fully complete. They still beat the most talented team in baseball. They still beat the team that was supposed to win the World Series once again. They, that, that, was the, that was the thought process with the, the L.A. Dodgers. They went into L.A. They beat them. They They finished it off in Atlanta, of course. So that gives me a ton of props to them. They deserve a lot more credit than they're getting. That lineup, we talked about how good they can be. The pitching staff as well has been rock solid. I think that plays certainly into the advantage of the Atlanta Braves, and that's what gives me that, that confidence to go ahead and pick them. I think pitching ultimately in the World Series, in the playoffs, it hasn't at times, but it ultimately, I think, wins out. We saw it with the Dodgers-Braves. We didn't really see it in the American League as much, but I think we'll see it here in the World Series. So that is going to wrap up here, our postseason preview. We'll be back next week, of course, to talk about break down the World Series essentially we'll be back to to I'm sure the series will be just about over by then we'll be breaking it down we'll be talking about we'll be rewinding the tape to see if we are right or if we are wrong but for another edition of Nosebleeds my name is Sam Davis with Colin Lochran and Ryan Raybacks enjoy the World Series everyone.